Welcome to Three Things with Rick Elias, featuring fascinating conversations with some of the world's most insightful people and three inspiring life lessons at the end of every episode. Today, we welcome back Marshall Rausch, one of Rick's closest friends who just turned 100 years old. If you're a subscriber to Three Things, you may remember Marshall as the Jewish Santa Claus or the man who started a new business at 93 years old. If you haven't listened to that episode from 2018 about living a longer, happier life, you should definitely go back and listen now. It's one of our most downloaded episodes of all time. In this episode, Marshall shares about what it's been like to watch the world change over 100 years, what he's learned about love, loss, and gratitude, and how he still maintains his famous mindset of always planning for the future. This is Three Things with Marshall Rausch. Today on the podcast, we have a repeat guest, my dear, dear, dear friend, Marshall Rausch, actually turned 100. So good to have you back. Uh, what's What was it like to turn 100, Marshall? What What did you feel? Did you, was, it, was it unique? I didn't think it would be, but it is. So many people uh, refer to it and talk to me about it. It's a... Uh, it's, it's real interesting to all my friends because not many people get to be a hundred. I didn't think it was uh, something that I would be emotional about. However, when we had uh, my birthday party, family only, I spoke to them uh, about how important religion is and how important family is and how important friends are. Fortunately, I've had all of them. You lose a lot in uh, becoming a hundred, in people you knew, in family you had, but that's normal. Nothing we can do about that. But by having a belief in God, by having family with you all the time, by having friends who you can count on, it makes it uh, wonderful to be a hundred. I know that uh, we've known each other a little bit over 15 years, and I consider you one of my best friends. I know that in that 15 years, you have suffered a fair amount of grief. You lost uh, your wife of over 60 years. You lost two sons. When you think of those losses, and you think about one of the downsides of getting to a hundred is you get to experience that grief. How do you process that in a way that you do, which is ultimately to be grateful for those relationships and not to be sad because they're no longer in your life? That's correct. But they are in my life. I don't believe a day goes by that I don't think of my sons and my wife. In fact, I dream about them. But that's all part of it. And it's a part of me, and they are what made me what I am today. My high school class, they're gone. I was on a basketball team in college. My team is gone. Mm. You don't dwell on that. You dwell on your family sitting right here with me, Mm. your friends. Don't try to do it all yourself. Let people help you. Mm. I love that. When you think about 100 years, there's been an incredible amount of advancements. What are some of the things that 
have happened in your lifetime that you have been amazed at the progress of the human race and humankind? I grew up when uh, if an airplane uh, flew by, everybody quit what they were doing and watched the airplane. I remember bringing it in television. We always used to go inside about five or six o'clock from playing in the streets, and we used to go in and listen to the radio, Buck Rogers and right. Little Orphan Annie. Well, when television came, television took it over. And when you think of technology, does it? Um, are you afraid of it or are you excited for it? I'm excited for it. Uh, look at the iPhone, boy, that is something. My daughter has a uh, radio in her wristwatch. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? So, so artificial intelligence, you're excited for it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. Marshall, one of the things that I most admire about you is that you're always thinking of what, what is the next project. We were catching up today and you were telling me about some things that you're cleaning up in the family and some projects you're working on. When do you think that you will stop planning for the future? When there's no future. <laughs> I just enjoy what I'm doing. But there are always projects, something interesting that can be done. And actually, I think I try too many. But uh, we've done some that are just a lot of fun, and we'll do some more. I know that one of your um, most interesting projects of the last seven, eight years has been you know, the pharmacy that you bought into and then brought your grandson and the, the pharmacy is booming. I think you were 93. What at 93 made you think that you uh, wanted to get into the beginning of a new business when most people are really not excited to start anything? I'm looking to get into one right now. If I, if I could find a business of starting or even an idea to put it into fruition, that would be fun to me. And I am looking, so to speak. Well, I know that you, you came to me with an idea, maybe to start a, a hedge fund. And, and this is one of the things about, I love about who you are. You were probably 95, 96. And the uniqueness of a hedge fund, it has a 10-year life. But that had not occurred to you. And when I said, well, Marshall, that will be a 10-year commitment, you looked to me like I had just you know, told you something that, that you had not thought about. And you're like, well, yeah, maybe I need a different idea. But at the pace you're going, I, I don't know why you wouldn't be here in five years. And I don't know why you wouldn't be thinking of the next business. So maybe I gave you bad advice. My apologies for that. Marcia, you have um, an incredible spirit. And, and part of this is you're constantly dreaming. But you also, knowing you as well as I know you now, I think that most of your life's purpose is to help others in their own journey. Can you speak more about that and, and how that has really fueled your passion for others? Yeah, sir. I believe Judaism accepts uh, Moses Maimonides' eight degrees of charity. For simplicity, charity is if you give after being asked. But that's not as good, you go to the second degree, as giving before being asked. And then they go to the final, an eighth degree of charity, is to help someone in such a way 
they never have to be helped again. If you're fortunate enough to be able to do that a few times, it gives you an inner strength and a joy that can't be de described. I was doing that when I was in high school. And, uh, do you remember any specific story? Yeah. A friend was working in a printing industry, and I said to him one time, you know how to run a machinery, yes, and you do the selling, yes. Why don't you do it for yourself? Mm. We said goodbye. Maybe a year later he said, I'm going to try what you told me, and I wanted to help him. So I arranged a small loan, and years went by, and he became quite successful. And uh, one day I saw him. He said, you know, I'll never forget what you did for me. I immediately thought it was a loan to get his business going. He expanded and said, I never thought about going in business myself mm. until you put the thought in mind, Dine. And that's what I want to thank you for. So you don't know when you really hit the ball out of the ballpark. But the, what, what I think those two, and I know there's many more stories where for no reason you went out of your way to make a difference. And I know that you've done this through your service to Gastonia, to your service to the state, to the service of nonprofits. And, and there's something about you that I'm trying to really understand, which is your notion of living in the service of others and that really being part of the fuel of who you are. Talk to me a little bit about in this 100-year journey, race relations, and how have you used your position of power to try to make a difference in improving race relations? I was uh, asked to be the chairman of the Human Relations Committee, Gastonia, Gaston County. That was before integration. Mm. I was uh, sort of surprised because I was quite young. I was not a native Gastonian, but we had an excellent committee. We had an excellent committee. And I'd say that we did as well or better than any other county in the state. We integrated uh, everything, for instance, eating in restaurants. Uh, we we uh, arranged that. In fact, I, as a result of our work in Gastonia, I was uh, asked to serve on a statewide committee. And I'm, there's no doubt that that had a part of my going into politics yeah. and becoming a senator. Yeah. Last night, yeah. I would happen to be at a meeting, and people came up to me and uh, said they always wanted to meet me. It was so nice, so good to have people remember and perhaps go do it themselves. I love it. You know, if you, if you could sit down with the leaders of both parties today in a room and you said, listen, listen to me, I've been around long enough. I've done a lot of the things you guys are trying to solve. Uh, here's what you're missing. Here's what you're getting wrong. What would you tell them? 
They're in business for themselves and their friends, and they are not in business to help the United States. When did that change? About 1990. And I say that because that was the last year I served, and uh, I was beat in the election by a Republican landslide. Mm -hmm. And that's when it all changed. When the Democrats were there, uh, it was a, it was all friendly. Mm. And uh, I really believe that... But do you think this is both parties have lost their ways? Yes, because when they, one party hits it to the other, they've got to retaliate mm. instead of sitting down and working the problem out. And I don't know what is going to change it. Yeah, it's like a free fall. Then the other party retaliates back, yeah. and then the other one retaliates back. Marshall, if you didn't know your age, close your eyes for a second. Okay. All right. And I said to you, you don't know your age. You forgot your age. How old do you think you are? I got to put a preamble in there. If my legs were carrying me around nicely, I'd be, say, about 60. So your spirit feels like 60. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you know that means that you have still things on your bucket list. Yes, yeah? I do. Tell me if, uh, a few of them. What are some of the things that you would like to do? Do you want to... Are we going to Vegas or what are we doing? Oh, yeah. Okay. Last time we went there, you literally... And you were just lucky. And I was unlucky. So for those listening, we went to Vegas. I don't know. It may have been 10 years ago. And you ran the table at the craps table. And I said hey i know how to bet on sports and we lost all our money and uh, and for years you just <laughs> gave me a lot of grief that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you made me money and i lost your money so other than going to vegas uh what else do you have uh, what what is are there people that you would like to meet is there somebody out there that you're like you know i would be very interested in having a conversation with this person i never thought of that that has not come to my mind maybe it's because I've got such great friends now, mm. and uh, my life is uh, full. People want to go to lunch, want to go to dinner, yeah. and that's all. Uh, that's all great. So, Marshall, how long were you married? Sixty-four years. So, that's a long time. What 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 does it take to successfully be married for sixty-four years? Not perfectly be married, but successfully be married for sixty-four years. Kiss her good night on the lips every night before you get in bed. Because you're trying to get lucky? <laughs> no, it's hard to be angry with someone that you have that love for if you embrace. And then you forget that uh, your mm. wife messed up here or you messed up there, you see. Forgiveness. Mm. Mm. How did you learn to forgive in a marriage? Because that's not easy for some people. Hmm. I don't believe my wife ever got me angry. You know, I might have not liked something for a half hour, but I never had that. Hmm. You could be angry. I don't have it in my life now. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting that that emotion is not something I've ever heard you 
uh, or ever seen you show, display, feel, articulate that you, anger has never been part of your energy since I've known you. I know that you have found love again, and, and I just love it. I love that even at your tender age, you have this real passion for life, but also have found love. How, how did you have your heart open for it to happen again? Well, Jeannie had been gone about 10 years. Mm. And by chance, I happened to be uh, a lovely lady, Pam, and she in my life has given me strength, humor, mm. passion, a desire for life. Mm. If you came back 50 years from now and saw the world, what do you think will be the same than it is today? Uh, that's a tough question. That's a, that's a guess. But people are motivated by the same thing year after year. Some people are motivated by money, some by power, some by sex. You just don't uh, know who's going to be in charge. <laughs> That's funny. What do you hope is uh, the person in charge motivated by? Love. Mm. What is love, Marshall? Love is being enamored by somebody because you admire them. You're attracted to them. In my eyes, also, they'd have be doing a lot of good for the people, hmm. not selfish. You know, the, the ability to make friends as we get older, real friends, it's a, it's a real gift because it rejuvenates us. We grow through our friends. Uh, we experience other people's lives when we love them. And I think that's what you're talking about is this ability to make new friends even if you lost some and then to fall in love again which might be the ultimate friend right somebody that you love and love deeply in my journey I, I try to focus a lot of my time on how do I grow how do I love how do I give and I attribute a lot of that to your example to the things I have observed you do time and time again and show up every day to life with with a big heart with a lot of love you don't see race, you don't see gender, you grow, you evolve. Who you were is not who you are. And I hope you're around for a lot longer because you live the way that many of us want to live. So I am honored, privileged to call you a friend. I am honored that I will always have this conversation to go back on and re-listen and relearn. I love you very dearly and I want you to know that. I feel the same for you, Rick. I love you very dearly. Thank you, Marshall. As you can tell, my admiration for my friend is profound. The way that he's finishing life is a great example for all of us. Here are the three things I took away from this conversation. One is this notion that we should always be growing. The fact that Marshall has a list of the things he's working on does not allow the old man to get in. Marshall is as focused on the future as he's ever been. 
Like he said, you only stop planning when there's nothing else to plan for. Number two is you gotta love the way that Marshall lives for love. He loves his friends, his family, his religion, his community. Love is the emotion that he shows up with at everything he does, and that has kept him away from hate, anger, and emotions that are no good to live life with. And number three is what an inspiration the way he thinks about gratitude. He does not reflect on the things he's lost. He just reflects on the gratitude of having had them. He's always collecting new things, so he has new things to be grateful for. Marshall, thank you for the example of how to finish life well. Rick shared his three things, but we want to know your takeaways as well. Find at Rick Elias on social media and let us know your thoughts on this conversation. And be sure to check out additional content, videos, and more at our blog, threethings.redventures.com. Thanks for listening.